Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Job chapter 17 and reading for our text verse 9. Verse 9. The righteous also shall hold on his way, and he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. Job 17 and verse 9. Dear Job had been through things that very few have ever known such trials as he had in the first chapter in the book of Job. We read how that he lost one thing after another one disaster, one trial after another coming upon him. His own family, his sons and daughters, they were lost. Then his oxen, his camels, his goods and all that he had was lost one thing after another. Men were used. Sabaeans were used, Chaldeans were used, not all of them. You might say the direct hand of God or the direct hand of Satan with God's permission. He would have seen it as those things that were coming through man, through man's hand and yet one thing after another. Then was added to that the afflictions in his own body. We have the boils that were laid upon him. All that he went through, one thing after another. But that wasn't the only thing that was a trial to Job. That was the great thing. That was the providential thing. But then there was the added trial that those for whom he would have looked for the most comfort and help and strength in naturally let him down in that time. We read the first one was that of his own wife because we read in verse 9 of chapter 2 Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. And dear Job, we read, after all of those things had come upon him, before he was afflicted with in his body, we read him saying at the end of chapter 1, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked came I, shall I return thither? The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we are told in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And we find even with the uh, additional things that came upon him, even after his wife said that she did. We read in verse 9, 
But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh, What shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. No doubt much was going on in his mind and in his thoughts, but nothing past his lips that were sinful or wrong. Then we read of how that his friends heard of the evil that was come upon him, and they came and they came to mourn with him and to comfort him. And they sat down, they sat down seven days and seven nights. They saw his grief was so great. But then they started to speak. And their message really was that God would never do something like this. He would never allow these things to happen to a man that was righteous, to a man that was upright. We read in the inspired word of God at the beginning of this book, the very first verse, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. We also read that when Satan had caused and stirred up the Lord against him, then we read the Lord saying in Chapter 2, verse 3, To Satan, the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and assureth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without a cause. Now those are the words of God. We know, of course, Job was a sinner like you and I, but outwardly he was walking in a godly and upright life in the fear of the Lord. And there was nothing, no thing in his life that God was bringing this or allowing Satan to bring it as a chastening or as a punishment for his sin at all. This was a great trial, a test for Job. And there's many things that were to be learnt in this trial. Well, here, uh, Job then has his wife first, then his friends, and his friends are saying, surely there must be something that he has done wrong, acted wrong, why these things have come and why they continue to be with him. And so these friends from beginning to be there to comfort him and to help him, they end up, and in the second verse of our reading in verse 2 of chapter 16, Job says, I have heard many such things, miserable comforters are ye all. And at the end of this book, we have the Lord vindicating Job, 
telling his friends to bring a sacrifice to him, to offer a sacrifice, and for Job to pray for his friends. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. But what we find in this book is what we find so often in life's journey, that the trials that we have in providence and in grace, or the trials that man would see us go through, are added to by man himself in how they react to us, and especially those that we least expect it from, those that are close, maybe of family, maybe of the church family, maybe of those that are of our kin or those who have been a close friend. We get those wounds in that way and with Job here, those wounds were totally unjustified. They weren't true at all. You know, the Jews, they came to our Lord concerning the man that was born blind and they said, who did sin, this man or his parents, that this man was born blind. They thought, if there is an affliction like this, there must be a reason. It can't just be that these things have come from the decree of God, the purpose of God, the sovereign will of God, without there being a cause and a reason. Again, that man was not sinless. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But what they thought that he had done some terrible thing. It was the same even with the heathens when the Apostle Paul, when they were shipwrecked and they'd made a fire and a uh, viper, a snake came out of the fire, fastened on uh, the Apostle Paul's hand and they said that surely uh, this man, uh, that he was a sinner, he'd done some great thing uh, and that he was now to die. He'd been spared the shipwreck, but God was going to have vengeance upon him. But while they looked a long while and the venom did not take hold, then they changed their mind and they said that he was a god. It was not just confined to those that uh, fear God, but even the heathens think that if there is something bad then there must be a reason for the curse. There must be an underlying reason. And instead of showing comfort and help to those that are in distress, they turn to accusing them and speaking against them and adding to the trials that they are going through. Our Lord in Matthew chapter 13 speaks a parable, a parable of the sower, where there is the seed that is sown upon the ground and it falls upon four different types of ground. One, it fell uh, upon the stony places and they did not have much earth, so it sprung up quickly. But when the sun was up, it withered away. The other fell amongst thorns. The thorns sprung up, choked them, the other fell into uh, good ground, which brought forth fruit some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirtyfold. Uh, and before that, in the first instance, there were some 
fell actually by the wayside that the fowls came and devoured them up. And he gave the interpretation of this parable as to different types of hearers. And it is the uh, second, uh, the second and third type of hearer is very applicable to what our text is here and the situation with Job. Because when the Lord gives the interpretation, he says that he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word and anon immediately with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. Let me read this. For when tribulation, or great trouble, or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He offends. He's offended and... He goes back. He, he doesn't stay in the way. He says, if, if this is what God does, if this is the cost of following the Lord, if this is what I am going to get for doing what is right, that I have trouble in my life, just happening and coming, I'm not going to serve this God. I'm not going to worship him. I'm not going to follow There's his thought, if I serve the Lord, then he must reward me in this life and give me good things and right things. And the Lord is good. And he does give us many, many things that we do not deserve. But whatever he does, he doesn't deal with us as our sins really deserve. But then there is another One that received the seed amongst thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. We read that the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And these trials, these tribulations, these things that come, they are designed to really sift out is it God's work or is it not? Where it is not, it won't stand. Those things that come against it and instead of holding on their way in the things of God, they will go back. We read in our text that the righteous, that they shall hold. He shall hold on his way. He shall keep going. Now when we think of keeping going or holding on our way, there's one aspect where that would not be a blessing at all. When the Lord finds us, calls by grace, then there is a change. There is a not holding on the way of the world, nor a holding and keeping going in the way of sin or wickedness, 
But there is repentance, there is a turning. So the situation, if we are walking in a contrary or a wrong path, then it is not good that we just keep going irrespective of the things that come upon us. Many times the Lord will use those troubles that come in our lives and our prayer is that those things that are coming on our nation over these last couple of years will be used so that men look above earth and look to the God that has made heaven and earth and before whom we must stand at the last judgment day and that it worked together for good to bring us from the things of earth, the things of time, and begin to seek that which is above. Also is not good if we are the Lord's people and the Lord sends us his chastening hand, that there is a reason for the things that are coming upon us. It is correction. It is the rod. To hold on our way then and to keep going on is that which is reproved in Psalm 68 and verse 21. But God shall wound the head of his enemies and the hairy scalp of such an one as goeth on still in his trespasses. And by nature we will, how we need, the Lord to make our trials and make the rod work for good and to turn us. Many a Lord's people, we struggle, struggle under the corruptions of our heart and even when his chastening hand is upon us, we find our hearts so bent to backsliding and so hard that it is a grief to us that it will not turn. It's so steeped in its sin. We wonder where the sin will end. But in that situation, truly it will be the desire of our souls if it is in the right way that we do not hold on our way of sin and wickedness, but turn and repent and have godly sorrow over our sin. What a solemn thing it is. When the Lord sends the rod, we may be worn through his people, worn through the ministry, and we still hold on our way, still contrary to the word of God, still in sin. So there's one aspect with the word of our text that to hold on our way is not a good thing at all. But it says here in our text that it is the righteous also shall hold on his way and he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. So we need to, in looking at this word, look first at who shall hold on their way. In our text it is the righteous. And then secondly, what it is to hold on our way in the context before us. And then thirdly, that not only to hold on our way, but to profit spiritually by our troubles. But firstly, who shall hold on their way? And especially in the context of all of these winds and waves of trouble, affliction, 
that have come wave upon wave, first in providence and then from men, that have come against a soul who is in, shall hold on their way. Well, our text says it is the righteous. And yet, by nature, none of us is righteous. The word is very clear, and that, that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. There is none righteous, no, not one. Not in ourselves, we are not. But in Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ, their righteousness is of me, he says. This is the name wherewith he shall be called, that is, the Lord our God, the Lord Jesus, the Lord our righteousness. And this is the name wherewith she shall be called, that is, the church of God, the bride of Christ, his spouse. And that is the Lord our righteousness. It is the same surname. And it is vital that we be clothed with not our own righteousness, but Christ. In Romans 10, the apostle speaks of his countrymen that were seeking and zealously seeking a righteousness, but not of God. They were seeking by their own works and by their own deeds to make themselves excellent and accepted by God. But it was not to be that. It must be by grace, by what Christ has done, and Christ has done alone. Job's righteousness, what God commended him for, was not that goodness that extended unto God, that paid the debt of his sin, that was his title to heaven. No, it was the fruit of God's righteousness. It was the fruit of his faith and trust in God that caused him to walk in an upright and a godly way. Job, he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. So who are the righteous then? Those accounted righteous in Christ are those that are chosen in him before the foundation of the world. They are given by God the Father to the Son to redeem. They are a people, the same people, that have been loved with an everlasting love that shall be with the Lord in heaven at last amongst that innumerable multitude that in time are called. I've loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. We are exhorted to give diligence that our calling and our election is sure. The election hath obtained it, the rest were blinded. God has a chosen people. When our Lord was named, his name was called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Already he had a people, thine they were, and thou gavest them me. And he laid down his life, a ransom for those people, shed his precious blood on Calvary's tree. It is for them he died, and it is for them he rose again for their justification. And it is for those who believe on him by grace, through the faith that he gives them, that he gives them eternal life and imputes to them his righteousness to stand before the throne of God faultless and without a blemish.
those righteous then have access to the power of God. They are loved by God, they are his people, and the power of God through faith, Peter, he says that they are kept by the power of God through faith unto eternal life. They are given those supplies of grace. They have an access unto the grace of God. By grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. And Paul, when he had the thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet him, and this is Satan that is buffeting Job, the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And then they are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the remembrancer. He brings back to their remembrance the things of God, the word of God. He shall bring to your remembrance all things that I have said unto you, says our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the comforter. He shall comfort the people of God in their distresses, their sorrows and their Uh, perplexities he is their guide guided by the spirit of God and directed in the right way to go it is that sheds light upon the word of God thy word is a lamp unto my feet a light unto my path and so those that hold on their way they are God's people and they have a strength and an access to a help that others do not have. They have that which Bunyan portrayed in the interpreter's house when his Christian, if you read Pilgrim's Progress, was brought to the interpreter's house and there was a fire in the grate and a person was throwing water on it, but the fire did not go out. And looking round the back of the wall, there was seen one pouring on oil a secret source of fuel which meant that the water did not quench the flame. When we see one of God's people and outwardly they've got waves and waves of trouble. Might be like dear David when he had Saul against him again and again. Then we had Absalom against him. All of those that rose up against him, Shimei cursing, throwing dust at him. And all of these things, yet he still claved to his God. All of these things came upon him outwardly and people would think, David, how can you continue? How can you still be a believer? How can you still trust that the Lord will help you? because he was one of the righteous ones. The Lord had a favour towards him. Underneath were the everlasting arms. Strength and help were being secretly given, perhaps unperceivedly given. Help given to continue day by day, hour by hour. We said before, the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. I think it was William Gadsby when he was walking the streets of his hometown. Someone called out to him and pointed out a drunk 
that was lying in the gut. He said, there, Mr. Gadsby, there is a fruit of your work. And he looked and he said, yes, it does look like my work, because if it had been God's work, he would not be lying in the gutter. God gives power. He converts a soul and he keeps that soul. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled unto God by the death of his son, how much more being reconciled shall we be saved through his life? The Lord speaks in John 10 of himself as the good shepherd and his sheep. When he putteth forth his sheep, he goeth before them. He says, No man can pluck them out of mine hand. My Father, who is greater than me, who gave us them, me, is none is able to pluck them out of his hand, a place of safety. And that is where the righteous are. We need to really hold fast to this truth that those who are truly the Lord's, those who have been called, those who have the evident work of God in their lives, whatever troubles, trials and things may come upon them, whether it is Joseph with his brothers going against him and going into the pit and then falsely accused and in prison and forgotten, and all of those things that come upon him, or Jeremiah, and all that happened with him, or the Hebrew children thrown into the fire because they wouldn't bow down their faces to Nebuchadnezzar's image, or because Daniel wouldn't stop praying, he was put into the lion's den. All of these things may come against them. It doesn't change the fact that they are God's people, he has a favour towards them and he gives them that secret support and help and strength that they do not end up going away from him and casting away all of what he has done for them and are found no more in the way at all. A natural work, a man that has been looking to his own works as a reason why God should bless him will be offended when God brings these things. But when we know our sin, when we really know what we deserve at God's hand, when we realise that the Lord has shed his precious blood on Calvary's tree to redeem us, to save us, we are not our own, we are bought with a price and that we are to glorify God in the fires, in the tribulation. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Our Lord was so clear. In me you shall have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And the apostles again had this message for those that we're already going through great trials, and it may be tonight, those of you through great trials and tribulations, afflictions and things that are troubling you outwardly and men that are speaking and causing you trouble and grief and sorrow in your poor mind, so troubled. And yet it is the Lord that sustains and he will not forsake his people the Lord that says, in the world ye shall have tribulation, 
but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Or the apostle was saying, you must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom. May we have a very clear view of this, of God's use of tribulation, that it is to show whose are his and who are not. And God's people, they don't go through these things as if they were stoics, they feel them, Job, you can see that right through here. He feels it very much. And you and I will feel our troubles and feel our trials and feel the wounds against us. It will pierce us the same as it was with our Lord. Not only pierced his hands and his feet, but how that they so contradicted him, cried out away with him, crucify him, crucify him, how they said this deceiver, the things that they spoke and smote him with the, uh, their, their, their tongues and, and at the same time, all of the grief of the, and the terrible pain of the crucifixion. Our Lord, it wasn't just the crucifixion, hiding of a father's face in Job 23. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. He again felt that hiding of a father's face and our Lord endured these things as well. May we never be ashamed at what God's sovereign will is for our lives. May we never be ashamed of what tribulation he has appointed us when we know that we shall have tribulation. What if God was to say to us, my child, you choose what tribulation you shall have. Look at that family who've lost their children in a car accident. Would you like that? Or look at that family that's got an afflicted child. They've got to look after them right into adulthood. Would you like that? Or would you like blindness? Or would you like to be deaf? Or would you like to be dumb? What would you like? You'd be hard-pressed to choose, wouldn't you? How much better that the Lord should choose out for us the path in this life. And really we read this, that he shall choose our inheritance for us as well. And if he has chosen our inheritance and that which is in heaven and that he is our portion and we are his portion, how much better that we have that eternal portion in Christ than our portion in this life and our goods and our wealth and our health in this life and a good name and a good reputation. Woe is you when all men shall speak well of you, for so they did the false prophets. The righteous then are in a position where they have a heavenly friend they have one of whom they love and he loves them. And though it may be through many trials, in Psalm 107 we read at the end of all of those changing scenes where they fell down so often there was none to help and then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. We read, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. It's a blessed thing to go through life's journey, to get to the end of that journey, 
and look through many, many trials and many things that we pass through and to realize that none of them was a means of moving us out of the way, but we still held on our way, a token of being amongst the righteous. And we may be able to see as well those that have had very similar trials and they haven't stayed in the way. There's been a contrast and we've realised the grace, the help that has been given us. Well, I want to look then secondly what it is to hold on our way. Our text says, The righteous also shall hold on his way. And he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. If we hold on a way, or we keep going in a way, and don't let go of a way, we've already been put in that way. At the beginning we spoke of the solemnity of continuing on in our trespasses, where we are found by nature and by God's call and the new birth, we are changed and renewed and put in the way of the Lord. And that is the way that we are to hold on to. It is the way that God himself has put us in by his grace and mercy in calling us. When he passes by us and bids us live, when he quickens us into life, he puts us in the way of life. The Lord Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So when the new birth takes place, we're put into that way. We are given the way of truth. Our Lord said to those that believe in John 8, If ye continue in my word, then ye shall be my disciples indeed. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so uh, we are told in Ephesians that the truth is in Jesus. And when we are born again, when we are quickened into life, we're put into the way of truth, the word of God, the true, the living word of the living God. We're also set in a way of holiness. God takes us from all our unholiness, uncleanness, and though we still have much of that and it fights against the new man of grace, yet he puts us in the way of holiness. Be holy, he says, for I am holy. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. He puts us in the way of faith. He is the author and finisher of faith. So we begin to see what we can't see with the natural eye and to trust in what we cannot see naturally. We trust in a wise, a powerful and understanding God, God who cannot err and is too good to be unkind. 
He also puts us in a way, a path of prayer. With the Apostle Paul, it was, Behold, he prayeth. Yes, he prayed before as a Pharisee, but now he was praying as a poor sinner. God be merciful to me, a sinner would have been his prayer, the publican's prayer, not the Pharisee's prayer. Then he puts us in also the way of duty. He shows us the way in which we are to go, how we are to serve God, how we are to walk before him and before men. And some of us, he sets us in providence, he sets us in churches, he may set us as a deacon, or as a minister, or as a pastor, and he sets us in that path and in that way. God does it. He also he brings us to a submission to the will of God. The one thing that Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul said, when the Lord began with him, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Not, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Please rubber stamp it. No, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And so there's a submission to the will of God and seeking to know and do the will of God and walk in that way. And all these things are more God does when he begins with a sinner, he puts him in the way of truth. He puts him in the way of his people in the way of the flock of God. Paul says of the Thessalonians, ye became followers of the Lord and of us. Those that were converted, they didn't go back to their worldly companies and worldly ways. They wanted to be with the Lord and they wanted to be with his people. And so that way that was put into is a way that in our text the righteous also shall hold on his way. So the Lord begins with a sinner. He puts him in this way, establishes in that way, and then brings in the trials, the troubles, all of the things against it, which if that was just a person putting themselves in that way and trying to imitate the people of God and imitate the ways of the Lord, they'd be ashamed of it. And they would turn out of the way. They would turn away from the way of life. They would turn away from the truth of the word of God. They would turn away from holiness. They would turn away from faith. They just look at the waves and the billows and the troubles and all the outward things and listen to all what is said. And instead of trusting to the word of God, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, the waves and the billows completely overwhelm and overmaster them utterly. And if it was not God keeping us, and he was not the author, then prayer would be completely laid aside and forsaken. What was the use of praying? God never hears my prayer. He never stops these troubles, these afflictions. He never appears for me. He never does what I want him to do at all. And so the path of prayer is laid aside. The path of duty. How many have given up, given up a path an office, a pastorate, a path that the Lord put them in. 
because the tribulations, because the trials were too much. They couldn't endure it anymore. They would not submit to the will of God, rebelled against it. Now I want to say again that those things that come against the child of God are a real trial. And it threatens every one of these things. And sometimes we may be really tossed as to the will of God. Sometimes our faith might be so tried that we can hardly feel to trust him at all. Sometimes you might see a a young sapling or a tree and the storm comes and the wind comes and it first blows one way and then blows the other way and you think, is this tree growing upright at all? It's leaning that way one moment and that way the other moment. But when the storms are over, there it is, it's upright still. You think of dear Peter, Was he righteous? When he saw him in the storms and with the winds and the waves in Satan's sieve, it didn't look like he was one of the righteous, did he? Forsook the Lord, denied him three times, he never knew him, followed afar off. But see him at the end. Thou knowest that I love thee. Thou knowest all things. At the end of the trial, he was still a follower. We read a solemn thing in John 6, when our Lord was teaching. No trials there, it was just the teaching that was too hard. And they said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? And they went back, they walked no more with him. They didn't hold on their way. Just because it was teaching, they couldn't, palate they couldn't receive what would they have done if they had addition to that their trials and tribulations and sorrows of the way a solemn thing that we could start off in a way and say we're born again and converted and then we hear someone clearly teaching the word of God and we rise up against it so I don't believe that don't like that if, if that's the God of the Bible I'm not going to serve him I'm not going to follow him I want to live my life I want to do what I want I don't want to have uh, be told that things I do are sinful and wrong and I shouldn't do that and that's not good for my soul and there'll be a turning out of the way So when there is a holding on his way, they have been set in a way by God or they have been in a way that appears to have been, they have been brought into that way by God. And when the trial comes, those fires shall try what the work really is. And the unrighteous, those that are not the Lord's people, will not again be found in the way. They'll turn out of the way or make a gospel and make a following that suits them and escapes the cross. But the word of our text will be perfectly seen to be true in the case of God's people. The righteous also shall hold on his way. They shall keep going. 
in the way that the Lord has put them in. Why? He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. I want to look then lastly, just briefly, that not only to be hold on the way, but to actually profit spiritually by our troubles. If it's chastening, is it not profit when we lose our sinful way and are brought back into the good and hold on to that which is good? Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby. And what about the beautiful words in, in, in Romans? Romans, the apostle, uh, speaks several words for the people of God in this way. It says in Romans 5 and verse 3, Not only so, and well, if you read from verse, verse 2, By whom also is by the Lord Jesus Christ, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. This is what dear Job was in. Tribulation might be what you're in as well. Knowing that tribulation, great trouble, worketh patience or endurance and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Well, then we have in Romans 8 and 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. A beautiful word. And this encompasses these trials, these tribulations. And when Paul comes to the end of that chapter, he says this of the righteous or the us which he's speaking of, the people of God, of which there is no now, now no condemnation, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Or who shall turn us out of the way and cause us to not hold on our way? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. Doesn't look an easy path, does it? We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. It's a beautiful word. And his persuasion that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so... It gives us a way that we can see these trials. They actually strengthen faith. They strengthen grace and hope. 
and endurance in adversities and trials. They prove the strength and worth of prayer, not trusting self, but trusting in the Lord and trusting in his wisdom. Job proved it, Daniel proved it, the Hebrew children proved it, all of God's children have proved it, that they are bettered and strengthened. He that hath clean hands, or he that in these trials, he's not turning aside to evil, he's not running from the Lord or from his ways, but he's actually getting stronger and stronger. He's benefiting from it. He's bettered by the cross. The righteous also shall hold on his way, and he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. So may the Lord grant us this token of being amongst the righteous. We'll feel our weakness. We'll wonder at times how we ever stand, how we ever continue. And we'll feel our need of continual help. Many fears, no doubt. That's like David says one day, I will perish at the hand of Saul. Yes, he really did say that. Fled into the land of the Philistines, but he never did, you know. And the Lord, in spite of all his unbelief, his doubts, brought him safely through, a man after God's own heart, and he died still trusting in God after all the tribulations that have been in his life. And may we be the same. May we be given grace and help to hold on our way. Look to the Lord. Look to he which begun a good work in us. Look to him that put us in the way. May we cleave to that way and cleave to our Lord. Say with dear Job, though he slay me yet, Will I trust in him? May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.